Uh, our second reading from God's Word tonight is from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, starting at verse 18. Uh, this verse is found on this particular Bible on page 1235. Easy ones to remember. So Colossians 3, uh, starting at verse 18 into the end of the chapter. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will not receive an inheritance from the Lord, uh, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. For it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasons with salt, that you may know how to answer everyone. Titius will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They'll tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Erastus, Sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him if he comes to you. Welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends his greetings. These are, only, these are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas sends greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers in Laodicea and to Nyphea and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it's also been read in the church in Laodicea and that you in turn read the letter, from the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Good day, everyone. So I hope you're all prepared for this, because I'm not sure if I am. So, uh, so let's just pray. 
Precious Lord, I praise you so much for your word, and I pray that you can speak clearly, clearly for you, through me, and um, and the, those here tonight will be ready to listen. And uh, Lord, as we exit out these doors tonight, I pray that um, we may be one that reflects that we are Christian, and uh, and that we may have joy in that. Amen. So there's no such thing as a part-time Christian. Being a Christian is a full-time thing. We're Christians all the time, and we are to live as Christians all the time. But often I suspect that we kind of see Christianity like eating chocolates. I could try and claim to be a chocoholic, but eating chocolate is not an all-encompassing thing. It's not something I'll do every hour of the week. Might eat a piece here and there, but... Strike, you can't eat chocolate all the time. Like for me, I'm, I'm less than 200 kilos, so this can't happen. So how many of us see Christianity like that? In this book of Colossians, Paul is taking pains to show us that being a follower of Jesus is an all-encompassing thing. So out of the 168 hours of the week, how many of those hours would you claim to be living, thinking and behaving as a Christian? Last week we heard from the start of Colossians 3 that being a Christian is is someone who has entrusted their life in Jesus. This does not compute with lust or sexual immorality, evil desires, greed, malice or anger. Instead they are to be replaced with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. I don't know about you, but I think for the small amount of time we are here on a Sunday we can probably fake being a Christian. We can, you know, while we're here, we can show that we're compassionate, compassionate, kind and gentle. You know, we could, we could open up the door for someone, give someone a smile. But being a Christian should permeate through our whole life. It isn't meant to stop when we exit those doors. So if you've come in here tonight with a facade, what about at home? You can't get away with a facade there not with the people who know you best, because that's where you really are you. Would they say that you're a full-time Christian? Would your family say that you're a full-time Christian? So Paul understands this issue, and as well as providing general instruction at the start of Colossians, he continues on from verse 12 and just provides instruction in other areas. This includes the household, in work, and in the world. So what is it about being a Christian at home? What do Christians do in their house? What does a Christian household look like? It's just a little bit of me that appreciates where Paul starts off here. So I'm an engineer and if Paul ever thought about using that beautiful feature of punctuation dot points, I think he's got it made. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Dot point one. Two, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. So you see, each thought is short, it's punctual, and it's beautifully summarised. When we read this section, we need to realise that Paul is not going for the exhaustive essay. He said, in 50 words or less, this is what I need to say about the family. So, before we get stuck in, I understand that some of this won't be applicable to you. Some of you aren't married, some of you aren't parents, 
You're not even employees or bosses. And we talk about work later on. But one day you may be some or all of these things. So consider this not just for today, but also for your future. So from verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, some of you may be squirming in your seats. In our day, submission is an uncomfortable word. But what does it mean? What is it to submit to your husband? Today we tend to use the word submission as, I guess, a a succumbing or a throwing in the towel type idea. But this isn't the Christian view of submission. In the Bible and in the context of marriage, submission is a beautiful thing because it's the willing, voluntary, joyful submission to the leadership of someone who's willing to lay their life down for you. This direction to the Colossians is something that they would have understood, but for us, we might need a bit more detail in Ephesians. There's another letter that Paul wrote which kind of provides, an, I guess, an unabridged version So let's just read this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husband as is fitting fitting to the Lord. For the husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also should wives submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loves the church, and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Let's face it, hey, submission's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. In fact, we submit every day. You might have come here tonight in the car and you travelled on the left side of the road. Sorry to say, you've just submitted to the government. You might have gone shopping this week, paid for your groceries, you put your stuff in the conveyor belt, you've just submitted to the attendant. When playing a sport, you submit to the umpire. It's, this submission is about an order of responsibility that works. In the context of the family, the husband is structured above the wife and the kids under the parents. The level of submission shown by the wife is a level of submission the church has for Christ. As this is fitting and proper in the Lord. So, fellas, this is not a structure where we're meant to impose. Did you notice in there where it says, Husbands, make sure your wives are submitting? Just have a look. I can't see it there. Paul didn't ask the husbands to remind their wives to submit. This is the voluntary bit that comes in. In fact, for husbands, it's quite the opposite. We are to love our wives. Verse 9. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. As we read in Ephesians, this is actually a pretty heavy responsibility. For me, I don't think I quite realise the full weight of this responsibility entrusted to me until um, my wedding day. I remember shaking Glenn's hand, my father-in-law, as he passed Anna over at the front of the church. It was a handshake of meaning, not some g'day, how are you, mate, shake, but a real weighty shake. In that small moment, a transaction took place. 
Glenn handed over to me the responsibility of his daughter. This is the role of husbands. God gives us the responsibility of loving his daughter. Not some fuzzy-wuzzy love, but a sacrificial love, just like Jesus did for us. The role of us husbands is to die for our wife. The husband refraining from harshness is an evidence of this love. How do you react when your wife brings home another pair of new shoes? Or if she comes home with a scratch car? The level of love that a husband has for his wife is a reflection of the love that he has for Jesus. Do you love your wife? Are you fulfilling your role that God has given to you to love his daughter? Are you being a full-time Christian? So if the parents understand how the partnership between sacrificial love and submission takes place between the husband and wives, where do the kids fit in? How can a child express their desire to serve Christ? They obey their parents. Do we need to get any more complex? Here we have further evidence of the structure that God intended. Children are to obey their guardians, the ones who have been entrusted to care and have authority over them. In verse 21, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Now, I don't have any kids, but I used to be one. As hard as it is to imagine, on the rare occasion I sometimes misbehaved. My mum and dad sitting over there may even be able to recall that happening just once or twice. The fact is the impact a disobedient child has on a family can be really destructive. The less obedience, the less time for love and care to be shared between the husband and wife and also for the child. Looking back, it's, it's a one room even somewhat normal. The, the many hours of potential loving that I've squandered just through being a pain. And this is the thing. Disobedience is hurting me or you more than anyone. It's another part of God's plan with what is most pleasing for God is best for you and also for your parents. So parents, or future parents, how is it that we are to encourage our children to be obedient? Super nanny, well she's got all the tricks, doesn't she? She might tell the kid to go sit on the naughty step or maybe she gets the reward chart with the gold stars. Maybe my mum and dad have some advice. All this probably works a treat, but Paul has a special warning just for fathers. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Fathers have a greater authority over the family and a heavier responsibility. Words and actions, or the lack thereof, bestowed upon an underachieving child can leave them discouraged. You may have observed this. You may know sons who've got a big chip on their shoulder and are just living to make their dad proud. Fathers have a responsibility to encourage and support their children. Fathers, are you doing this? 
So we can see that Christianity is a culture of submission. Or if we want more comfortable words, order or structure. In just four lines, Paul shows us the structure and the role of each part of the family. And it's the order that works in God's world. So, is this what it looks like under your roof? When no one here at church is watching, are you being a full-time Christian? So we've had a bit of a look at what a, what a Christian should be in the household. But Paul's got a bit more to say because he want, now wants to go into the workplace. So technically when Paul goes on now to talk about slaves and masters, he was actually talking about the work household because the household back then includes slaves who would be living and working for the master. So we don't really have slaves and masters as such today. So this teaching has some implications for us in the workplace. Verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. So Paul encourages them to obey their master But what he's really doing is he's encouraging them to obey their master in a new light. He reminds reminds the slaves that there is a heavenly master and that is their motivation. Yep, they're still under the authority of their earthly master, but the earthly master, his power is on earth only. In such the same way that an umpire just doesn't have any authority when he ran away from the ground, he can blow his whistle all he likes. This is only the level of authority that master has on earth. So what's this do? This provides the slaves with a new motivation and, let's face it, a heavenly perspective. But what about me and my work? I could nearly even call myself a slave to the tax man or or just to the well wishes of my boss. That could be true. But in this section there are some principles that apply and some that don't. In contrast to slaves, as an employee, I'm allowed to say no. I get to go home at the end of the day. I get paid. I can ask not to do the shift over the weekend. So we can see that this topic of slavery starts to get a bit more general. So from verse 23, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Now, I need to make this clear. This isn't a justification for workaholism. You are not to work to the detriment of your family. As we saw above, you've got a role to fulfil. Whether you work one hour a week or 40 a week, this passage asks us to work hard when we're at work. Don't slack off. Don't get on Facebook all day. When at work, work. So these principles also apply to masters or employees or bosses who are managers or supervisors. Um, Verse 25, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. In the end, whether at the top bottom of the rung or the top of the rung, 
It's Christ we're serving. As Bob Dylan once sang, you have to serve somebody. So in verse 24 we see, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favouritism. So we've got some good old stick and carrot motivation, don't we? Serve Christ, inheritance. Do wrong and get what you deserve. That's clear, isn't it? So do you know who you're serving? How are you treating your employees? How well do you work when no one else is there? I know some of you are supervisors. Some of you are bosses. Are you the best bosses and supervisors to work for? Do people actually want to work for you? And employees, do people want you working for them? Is this a picture of your workplace? So we're either Christian or we're not. In those hours at work or at home, is Christ your foundation? Are you being a full-time Christian? This also goes on to affect the rest of our life. We're not at work and home all the time. It's just a bit of that week left, isn't there? So we're meant to be full-time Christians. Our whole life is meant to reflect that. So what do we do? We make sure we pray. We make sure our mind does not neglect the things that are important. Do you pray? Paul highlights prayer as a focus. We are to pray and while we're at it, we are to pray for the preaching of the gospel and then tell others about the gospel. The good news of Christ. This is what Paul wanted the Colossians to devote their time doing, to pray and to speak about the good news of Christ. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So some of us were there at Box Hill. They were telling people about Christ. So were we in prayer for these guys? These guys are pretty well prepared. Had these folders that they had ready. They had smiling faces and a ready ear for some conversation. But Paul says we are to be ready all the time to preach about the good news of Jesus. In verse 5, we've got to be wise and we've got to be opportunistic. If we are, in fact, living in Christ 24 hours a day, if we are being full-time Christians, it just makes sense. Our conversation will always be seasoned with grace. You know, we'd be happy to talk what's on talk about what's on our mind, what we were just praying about. We'd be happy to share the good news of Christ. You see that this this isn't any such thing as a part time Christian, because being a Christian means being a Christian at home, in the workplace, and in the world. There's, there's not really any time left. So for some of us tonight. It's not that easy. 
Some of us, some of us have turned up wearing our I love chocolate shirt ready to show everyone that they like chocolate. But the reality is they'll go home, take the shirt off and just forget. Maybe every now and then they might glance over and eat a little bit of chocolate, but strike, who would know? In the same way, we can be here just for tonight and pretend to be Christian. We can sing loudly. We can give everyone a warm handshake. We might even pray for someone else. But is that who you really are? Are you faking it? What are you really like when you return home, when you exit that door and jump into the car? What do your colleagues, classmate, or your family know about you? Are you saved by the grace of God? These are the actions of a committed Christian, living their life in thankfulness to the Lord. After all, we have so much to be thankful about, for we have been promised to be raised in glory. We are God's chosen people. We have been raised in Christ. We have been rescued from the dominion of darkness into his kingdom. We have redemption of sins, and we have been promised an inheritance. And strike, like this is only the stuff that's written in Colossians. So why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to live by these rules? Christ has saved you and he's designed this perfect structure for us to live in. The thing is, everyone wins. If we live according to God's plan in such a way that is fitting, pleasing and in reverence for the King Jesus who has saved us, who died for you and me, well, we get the good end of the bargain as well. These are things that we get to do that make our life smoother and more enjoyable. How good is it to live according to God's plan, to be a full-time Christian? So, at home, at work, and everywhere else, are you living your life as God intended? Are you being a full-time Christian? Let's pray. Lord, we uh, praise you for your word. And uh, I hope that uh, this has encouraged and motivated us, that we may head out that door and live consistent, full-time Christian lives. Help us to be encouraged by your word and be thankful for the wonderful things you've done for us. May you continue to help us as we read your word and pray and tell others about Christ that we can become better and better full-time Christians who reflect you and your glory. In your name, amen.